I'm going to take our uh, message tonight from our reading, of course, and I'll ask you to go to Mark chapter 12. And you're familiar with this, but I think you're going to like what we're going to see tonight. I'm going to draw a little bit more on this discussion. What we're going to look at this evening are the greatest commands. So if you go to Mark chapter 12, Mark 12, uh, we're going to begin in verses uh, verse 28 to 34 and read this section here. Give a little bit of context. Jesus has been standing in the temple. He's been questioned by the Sadducees and the Pharisees regarding his authority for cleansing the temple. And he has stood his ground and answered their questions. And now there's left this scribe who has a question he wants to, to ask. And what we're going to see here is that he's very close to faith in Christ. Now Jesus right here is essentially in the shadow of his own cross. Death is coming. The, the judgment and betrayal of him is coming. And it's very, very, very close to this event. So as we look here in Mark 12, we have that scribe that comes to Jesus. And this is what we read in verses 28 to 34. It says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well. So Christ is answering these that are trying to dispute and argue with him. And he asked him, which, of the, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one. And there is no other besides Him. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all the burnt offerings and spices. And when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask Him more questions. It's an amazing event things to think about. And the commandment there is very, very clear. The great commandments haven't changed. Now you could say, well, that was under the old law. But you look in, in, into the scriptures in the New Testament and you read Romans chapter 13, you see that this is a part that the old law is being fulfilled in love. That someone who loves their neighbor does no wrong to them. And we also see that is also throughout the New Testament is that we are to love God. Those are still the greatest commands. So that last question that Jesus was asked there in the temple it couldn't have been more appropriate or a better time of this man who's seeking, uh, seeking that, that truth, wanting to know where Jesus stood at the most critical point. And you, you can notice that with someone. There, there are those who might ask questions, and sometimes they're trying to stir something up or cause a problem, but then you know the, the sincere question. Those who are maybe in Bible class or in whatever setting it might be, and they want to know, do you know the truth? You know, there are different things you can ask about, but when someone realizes that the greatest command is to love God and to love your neighbor, uh, there you, you know they're starting with the right perspective. Another thing that, stand, that stands out here is this is one of the few references to the Shema in the New Testament. And the Shema is, Shema is the Hebrew word that means listen. And it's a part of this, this statement from Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that the Jews at the time would say, they would say, the Lord our God is one, and they would recite it. They would say it when they went to bed at night and when they woke up in the morning. They would say it before their children. They said it all the time. 
Uh, and they continue to recognize that. And they said also, along with it, as a part of that statement, that they love the Lord their God. And those two things were to come together and form the Israelite people and give that basis that they needed. They needed to be, remind themselves every day that there's one God and we love Him with all of our being. Do we do that? We need to. We need to wake up every day with those words on our heart. And here Jesus is saying, this is that greatest statement. This is what all of Israel knows. Now while I'm saying that, James makes reference to it. In James chapter 2, he says, you believe there's one God? What's he talking about? James is saying, all of you have been quoting this every day. You go to bed when you wake up in the morning. You've been reciting the Shema for forever. But are your works there? And he goes on there, even the demons believe that there's one God. But does it change you? Do you love God? And that is the greatest command. The other thing that stands out here is the second command is from Leviticus 19 and verse 18. And that is to love your neighbor. I'm going to talk a bit more about these in a moment. But I like how it's summed up here. And the scribe makes this reflection in hearing what Jesus has to say. He says that love is more than all the sacrifices. Now as Jesus, uh, and well Jesus would agree with that. But is the scribe coming up with a new instruction here, a new command? Is he, is he now putting love over sacrifice? Know that the scriptures before, well, he is doing that, but the scriptures before have already confirmed that. If you go to Psalm 40 and verse 6, you go to Hosea 6 and verse 6, you go to Micah 6, verse 6 through 8, you will read that it's more important to love God and to love your neighbor than all those sacrifices. Now, of course, you're going to keep God's commandments if you love him. And that's worth thinking about. So think about that, of all the things that you offer to God. Now, today, as Christians, we're still a part of God's temple we're part of the spiritual temple, the church. We as priests are offering sacrifices to God. You know what those sacrifices are? Well, Hebrews tells us, chapter 13, and it's to do good, it's to share with others, and it's to praise God with our lips. Those are the sacrifices we offer now. It is a part of our love to God and love to others. And then I love the concluding statement of what Jesus says here in confirming all of this. He says to the scribe, you're not far from the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, that scribe apparently was not a believer yet. But he was there. He was starting to believe. And when he heard the answers that Christ gave, and then heard what the Lord said about the most important command, he was listening. He was now listening to the Hebrew word Shema. He's listening to God. He's hearing the truth. I want us to think about this for a moment. Let's take a look at the Shema. If you have your, your Bible, you can go back with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And look at verses 6 through 7. This comes right after the statement that we are to recognize that God is one and to love Him with all of our being, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So Deuteronomy chapter 6. I see some of y'all flipping, so I'll wait a second. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want you to look at verses 6 and 7. I think you're going to find this fascinating along with the passage in Leviticus. I encourage you to do this. Sometimes when you're, you're reading through your New Testament and you come across an Old Testament passage and it's given maybe a little short little line, Go back and read it in context. Uh, read the verses around it. You know, if it's a psalm, read the whole psalm. It's not too hard to do, and I think that it will open your eyes to what has been spoken of there. All right, so Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 7 says this. Moses writes, And these words, or he speaks, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So this is what they're doing with this statement of faith, this Shema. They're telling themselves, Listen, the Lord God is one. And you shall love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then Moses says, and these words are to be on your heart. Listen to this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You're to teach your children as one God, and you're to love him with all your being. 
and shall talk of them. Talk of these commands, talk of these instructions, talk about this confession of the Shema, this command to listen that you're given by God and that you're continually to tell your, telling yourself. And he says, and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. I think I missed a passage there. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So that's what they did. They took it seriously. In fact, you keep reading there. If you're in Deuteronomy, you can keep doing that. Uh, I'm going to keep move on a little bit. But when you read that, they're saying you need to write it above your gates, above your doors. It needs to be as the front lens before your eyes. That This is what you believe and this is what you stand on. They're very interesting the way that they live by their faith. One thing I'm always thinking about when I'm always thinking about that passage is I want to make sure my kids know that. I want them to hear it from me more. Today we were driving to church tonight and I'll quiz them. Be like, what did daddy preach on this morning? You know, that's, that's the problem of being a preacher's kid, I guess. So I'll put them on the spot. I want to know, are you listening? Because, you know, when I'm putting messages together, I'm thinking about them, and I'm wanting them to hear it. So, but one of my children, she knew exactly what I spoke about. So I appreciate that. I appreciate her listening. How can you love God with all your heart, soul, and strength? Heart, mind, soul, and strength. First of all, someone might say, what if I don't love God with all my being? Now, and I think there are some who believe and who would say that. I struggle with that. I struggle with loving God. Well, I appreciate the honesty there. And I would encourage that person, you know, to pray, to be in Bible study, to know who God is. And it also concerned me because it seems like they're probably wrestling with something else in their life. But what does it look like when we love God? You know what the passage is in the, the Bible says. If you love God, you'll do what? Keep His commandments. All right, we read this throughout the Scriptures. There's a number of passages we can go and read about it. And we've read about it even recently. But I'm going to go over to John chapter 14. And there's a passage in verse 15, but I'm going to move down from, pass, from verse 15. So John 14, and look with me in verses 21 to 24. John 14, 21 to 24. Here is Jesus on the night of his betrayal talking to his disciples. And he says this to them. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So whoever has my commandments. Notice that. It's not that, you just, not that you're just keeping them. You have to have them. You have to possess them and want them. And if you want them, God, of course God's going to give them to you. You got them before you. But you've got to have them and have them at heart. Keep reading here, verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. And so we're reminded of what it means to love God. And if we look at our lives and say, listen, there are some commandments that I'm not keeping, what's wrong? That's a heart issue, isn't it? It's a mind issue, too. It's a soul issue. It's me not loving with all of my strength and all of my being. And I need to examine. And I need to repent. I need to change. Think about that. Let's think about the second greatest command now as well that's brought up there in Mark 12. So this is from Leviticus 19 and verse 18. And if you want to know more about what it means to love your neighbor, 
You know, what, what pops in your mind when you say love your neighbor? There's a lot of things that could come to mind. Think about that for a second. Look with me in Leviticus 19. You can go back to it if you want. I'll read it to you as well. Leviticus 19, 17 through 18. Leviticus 19, 17 through 18. This is what they're commanded. This is for the Levites and what they are to instruct the people on. It says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. This is what it is. It's not to hate, not to detest your brother in your heart. He says, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. You have something wrong with your neighbor? Go talk to him. Be reasonable about it. Reason frankly with your neighbor. And then the scripture says, lest you incur sin because of him. In other words, you let that hate sit on you, and there's going to be sin coming out of it. There'll be resentment, there'll be pride, there's going to be other things that come out of holding grudges and holding things against your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? That's a question that was answered and asked uh, to Jesus. And of course, Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan when that was asked. Who is my neighbor? Your neighbor, neighbor means those who are close to you. Your family, your friends, those who are around you, the, the person who is on need, in, the need, uh, in, in need in the community that are around you, anybody that you're able to communicate and talk to, they're your neighbor, they're near you. And he says, you shall not take vengeance. So that's also a part of the Old Testament. You are not to take vengeance. Uh, what is that? When someone does something to you and you don't take vengeance on them, there has to be a certain conviction of faith in your heart that, Lord, you know it's right. And you'll settle this event. You'll settle whatever's happening here. He says, you shall not, and this is a part of that loving your neighbor, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And notice the very last phrase there. Why? God says, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. That's why. You don't take vengeance. You don't hold the grudge. You make sure that you don't keep anything on your heart. You go and you reason with your neighbor and speak to them. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like the teachings of Christ in Matthew 18. If you have a personal offense with somebody, you go to them. I want you to notice this too. Galatians 5 and verse 14. Galatians 5 and verse 14. These commandments are still in effect today, and they're fulfilled in the gospel. And Galatians 5.14 says, Paul says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. All of it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So these commands didn't stop from being the greatest. We hold to them. We take them to heart. And if you go back like we have tonight and you read them in context, we went back and looked at the Shema, we went back and looked at Leviticus, there's more there, isn't there? There's more there in the detail about how you love God and how you love your neighbor. I encourage you tonight to ask you these questions. Are you holding a grudge? Are you holding... Any reason of resentment or contempt? Are you contemplating vengeance? Love your neighbor because the Lord, He is God. I want you to think a bit further. I want to share one more scripture before we finish tonight. On the subject of how you love your neighbor, we have the greatest example of how to love our neighbor in Jesus Christ. And this is in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. So when I think about this, I think about what's the how do we know what love is? What was the most perfect way of God to reveal love to us so that we can love others? And it's right there in 1 John 3.16. You know John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 is of great value and worth you memorizing as well. 
1 John 3, 16, and let's read down to verse 18. By this we know love. By this we know love. You know, all the struggles that you might be having with loving God and loving your neighbor, this is how you can know love. That He, that's Christ, laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You're willing to lay down your life for the church, for brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what we're being told to do. That's the instruction. That's the example of Jesus. Look at verse 17 and 18. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And just don't love by, by saying it. You, know. you hear of examples of people who, or, or abusive fathers who will, or, or parents who will say, I love you, and then they turn around and they abuse them. Well, you know that's not true. They're just saying it in word. There's got to be truth behind it. There's got to be an action and deed behind it. And there, John says, little children, let us love in word, not in word and in talk, but in deed and in truth. Be willing to lay down your life for the brethren. Look out for those who are in need among you. The church needs everybody. We need everybody to always be present and active and loving and with every action. We need everybody doing their best, striving to obey the greatest commands. Tonight, if you've been struggling with that, we encourage you make things right. Let's repent. Let's allow the words of Christ and the teachings here to affect us, that we think about these things throughout the week and how we can increase our love. We got the greatest example in Jesus Christ. I would further encourage you from James 4 and verse 17. James says, to know to do good and not to do it is sin. You know to do good and you don't do it, you're sinning. Not you know to do good. Reflect upon the love of God. Be active in every good deed. We've been blessed with that. I, I, you can't, I can't think of a better way to live than by following the example of Christ and living by love every single day. And that's what we get from the Scriptures. That's what we get from Christ. Tonight, if you need to obey the Gospel, you can have all your sins washed away. You can have that appeasement. You can have the condemnation that is against us taken away in Christ. He's died on your behalf. He's taken the judgment upon Him. And you can repent of your sins, having confessed faith. You can be buried in baptism and rise to the newness of life. You need prayers and encouragement, you can come forward. Let's sing together.